Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Startup Confessionals, where we interview startup founders and entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa. We'll learn about some of the biggest lessons these founders discovered on their journey, from the personal to the professional, and share how they keep themselves motivated. Today's episode is with Asim Janjua, the co-founder of MamoPay. As CXO, he drives and leads organizational design, operations, growth, and expansion with a human-first approach. And before MamoPay, Asim spent over six years working as a technical design lead for Google Switzerland. So welcome to the show, Awesome. Thank you for having me, Yasmin. So Awesome, can you briefly share your value proposition of MamoPay in your own words with our audience? Yeah, sure. So uh, MamoPay is um, a startup that is about two years old. And our main um, uh, prerogative of starting this company um, or pain point or problem that we're trying to solve was um, simply giving giving ability to um, uh, customers in the Middle East, specifically UAE, the ability to send and receive money. Um, that's where it started, at least. Um, and that came from a pain point that me and my co-founders really suffered from ourselves. Um, in many ways, I think um, in the Middle East, the, the banking sector um, usually learns um, from um, the West and from the East. Um, so with that, um, you see innovation sometimes being sluggish, um, particularly in industries like the banking sector, um, where there's a lot of legacy and um, a lot at stake. Um, so we sought out to help, um, let's say, move that along. Great. Yeah. And so maybe you could just also dive in like the uh, product buy flow. Like, so let's say someone goes into your product. Uh, what do they do? Is it similar to Venmo in the United States? What would you compare it to? Yeah. So Venmo is a good good comparison, um, minus the kind of um, social sharing element. We're really focused on um, a utilitarian solution, which allows users to um, send uh, petty cash between one another. Um, so I would just um, separate our product offerings. We currently have two products. So one of them is what we call MammoPay and the other one is Mammo Business. Um, MammoPay is an app and Mammo Business is a web URL that allows small businesses to collect payments um, from their, their customers. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, I have traveled a lot to the Middle East and I've always felt like this was such a big uh, pain point in the region, the ability to send cash easily, um, or to send payments easily uh, within the region. And so is this available all throughout the Middle East or is it only um, available in specific countries? So for now, it's only available in the UAE, but our ambitions and inspiration is to make sure um, that this goes uh, to the GCC and then further into MENA as well. At least for now, that is our kind of trajectory and to really be focused um, on the Middle East. And the reason for that is um, uh, multifold um, in the sense that obviously you need to make sure that you have um, a product that actually works and has a um, um, good product market fit, but also we're in the fintech business, we're in the financial services business. Um, in my opinion and experience, um, I don't think there's anything that's regulated as much as financial services. Um, so that takes time and effort to build rapport, understanding, friendships, relationships 
with regulators and making sure that you know they are happy while making sure we're building a um, viable product as well and that is different for every single country so regardless of whether you're in the middle east every single country has a different set of regulations and protocols for that as well so our ambition is to really test the product market fit and build a lot of the back-end technology um, which we're doing um, with full ip homegrown um, as well, um, and then using that as a launch pad to go into other markets. So, Asim, why did you guys start this company? I mean, obviously, you mentioned that it was a pain point, and that you're kind of. It seems like you're you're testing the product market fit, but you also have validated a lot of it. So, I'm just curious, you know, why did you start this this company, and like, how big of a pain point do you think? this uh, this problem is in the region, you know, on a scale of one to five, like what would you give it? One being low, five being very high. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I think the scale of problem is probably around three to four from one to five. Um, I don't think we started this company simply to allow people to send money to each other. Um, that is a great pain point to solve. And as you've experienced yourself, um, it, it, it needs work in the region. However, there's a, a deeper um, um, reason to doing what we're doing, um, at least from myself and I speak on behalf of my co-founder. And that's a lot more to do with um, bringing um, uh, a better understanding of financial services. Um, so financial literacy underlies everything we do at MAMO. Um, for example, helping um, our target audience, particularly in the Middle East, uh, understand um, investments and how investments work. Um, we have a memo mentor blog that really focuses on um, uh, kind of bite-sized information on everything from ETFs to stock markets, etc. So uh, we have a big kind of passion for bringing about um, financial independence through financial know-how. Um, so the idea is that once customers understand financial services better, that allows them to make better financial decisions um, and therefore be a lot more independent with their finances. So there is a bigger and deeper purpose to um, everything we're doing. It just so happens right now, we decided to start with a wallet and pay-to-pay -pay service, much like you have in other countries. You mentioned Venmo, there's many more. Um, and the reason for starting there um, was it's an anchor for us to um, provide features that extend beyond um, pay-to-pay money transfer. So, you know, having the ability to have a wallet where we're um, holding um, uh, user funds allows us to offer services such as MAMO Rewards, which we're working on currently right now and actually testing as well. And what MAMO Rewards does is gives you rewards on, on your holding balance of your wallet as well. So we're taking care of um, how that money gets um, diversified. And then every month, the user simply gets um, um, cash inside the wallet. Um, and it's, a, it's an opt-in feature as well. So you don't have to do it. And your, your funds, they aren't locked in. Um, you can still have access to them. You can use them, etc. So that's kind of, the, you know, at least one feature that you see coming out of the pay-to-pay -pay service. You know? And then, you know, in, in the future, we have a lot more features um, 
coming out um, simply because we're holding funds. And those, for example, look like the ability to have a MAMO card, which connects to Google Pay, Apple Pay, that allows you to diversify um, the way you use your MAMO wallet funds. So you now, with the, with the MAMO card, you now have the ability to pay for a coffee or pay for goods and services um, online on the internet, et cetera. Are you guys planning on adding some like alternative uh, payment methods, like um, maybe cryptocurrency, or are you just sticking to uh, you know cash? Have you looked at our product roadmap already, Yasmin? <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> we are indeed. Um, but however, I'm of the opinion I do come from um, somewhat of a blockchain crypto background um, prior to uh, starting Mammal, um, but my in my opinion, and um, my co-founder agrees as well, is that we don't want to um, do crypto as a method of investment right now. We really want to be, we really want to be driving um, um, crypto to a place where it's used um, to pay for goods, products, and services. So that would be our main goal for crypto. Um, that's, I think, a little bit of a medium to long-term goal. Um, we're still in the process of figuring out fiat currency and making sure that works really well, make sure we have good partners, solid partners um, on the ground. We have a decent uh, traction on customers and then eventually um, going into crypto. And crypto phases look something like this. Phase one would be the ability to send um, uh, crypto um, to your MAMO wallet and for us to hold that crypto, as simple as that. Um, then we'll have the ability to send that crypto between friends. And the third phase of that will be the ability to um, um, use that crypto as a form of payment for goods and services. Very cool. Yeah. I um, always like so curious about how companies create their product roadmap, but then like are constantly getting validation from the market, whether you're, that's actually, you know, the product that they want. Um, so I've, you know, I've spent so many years launching so many different products and I just think it's, you know, specifically when it comes to these types of features where, you know, maybe there's not so much regulation, uh, there's a lot more, I would say risk involved, you know, I think that the big question is like, how, how much time and energy do you spend on things that are more right. risky? <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. And look, I think um, particularly, Yasmin, in, in financial services, um, the, the fragility of um, upsetting um, multiple partners, including regulators, is too high to be radical, is too hard, too, too high to be um, a maverick um, or a disruptor. You, know? um, you have to tread, tread carefully. And that's not only because of regulators. Um, money is um, a sacred value for customers. And we don't want to be messing around with um, customers' money. You know? So there's a huge element of trust building um, with users and customers. Legacy institutes have many, 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 many years ahead of us in terms of building trust and relationship. Um, and here we are, just this young startup, two years old, um, and we're just kind of, you know, building that. So we don't want to um, harm that in any way as well, while at the same time, as you said, making sure we're moving in a, at a steady pace, making sure we have a pulse on the market, understanding what the market wants. Ultimately, market drives um, the product and the product success. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's a very thoughtful approach. And I, I've jokingly said, yeah, the fail fast iterate model works until you're working, <laughs> until you're you're in the vertical of fintech and cryptocurrency, because right. you do not want to fail fast when you're dealing with people's money. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yes, yeah, nicely put. <laughs> Um, so awesome. I want to talk a little bit about how your priorities might've shifted as you started to grow the company, as you started to raise more money, you know, what was that like for you? And, uh, can you remind us, uh, you're at your series A, is that correct? Yeah, we just closed the pre-series A uh, round and, um, you know, really using those funds to now double down on a lot of what we've built, but also um, kind of um, making sure we have the team to support the next phase of that build. Nice. And what was it like to go through the fundraising round? Because I also think this is such an interesting point to kind of sit between running a company, working on product. And I, you know, maybe your uh, position as CXO uh, doesn't require you to spend as much time fundraising. I don't know if that's the case, but yeah. Like how do you manage both priorities? That's a great question. I think, look, once you're associated as a founder, um, you're wearing multiple hats. Uh, while I also do CXO work, I think um, my my deepest passion and um, responsibility is making sure um, that the organization design is done very well. And that includes everything from culture all the way through to hiring the right people um, as well to making sure that investor relations and um, you know, presentations to them make sense um, as well as an organization. Um, so my co-founder had mostly been leading um, the, the Series A fundraising round with myself and my other co-founder, Imad, um, playing a, a support role, uh, particularly when it came to kind of questions around product and um, technology stack, um, et cetera. Um, the, the, so, so we were definitely involved in a lot of the fundraising and um, it's not, it, it's, it's my first time um, doing it. Um, and the experience for me has been um, both exhilarating and um, particularly when the conversations are exciting and interesting. There's some investors that are more conversational and they dig deep into your psyche and, um, uh, you know, your your interpersonal um, challenges, your audacity. You know, they're trying to figure out your audacity rather than the product is one. I, I really love that uh, because we are a set of this, uh, um, founders that I think, um, are highly driven by um, problem solving and just building a beautiful product, you know, and really, really customer centric. You know, we want to do it right. We want to do it right for the customer as well. Um, and uh, great VCs get that out of you, get that excitement out of you. So those types of conversations were really, really exciting when you connected with a VC um, on that level. Um, I would say that while it's exhilarating and exciting doing this um, kind of tour i kind of compare it to a bank being on tour you're going from east coast west coast to europe to dubai and everywhere and the time zones and this is it's like this for like one or two months um and that can um uh, that can be exhausting but the the excitement and the exhilaration definitely overpowers um the exhaustion yeah, I can imagine. And awesome. Have you uh, felt like raising money for a company in the Middle East makes, is it accessible to VCs and investors outside of 
the region or have you kind of only been working with investors in the region? I'm just curious, like what maybe has been your perspective of like Western investors or Asian investors or investors outside of the region? And what are you kind of seeing thematically play out if you are aware of, of what themes are playing out? Yeah, look, I think um, Dubai is such a melting pot on, a, on an international level that is attracting a lot of um, interest um, uh, from international investors. Um, so while we absolutely want to work with local investors in the UAE, Saudi, um, across the region, which we have, we have a, a good set of investors from the region. We also have I think maybe a little bit of a majority that are international investors. So everywhere from Silicon Valley all the way to East Coast, um, UK, Europe, um, even Africa. We have investors from Africa as well. We have investors from Asia, China as well. Um, so we have definitely diversified our pool of investors. Um, and we've been very, very deliberate as well. I think um, investors have an important role to play beyond um, uh, providing funds, which is obviously very important and incredibly grateful for. It's really important, at least from my perspective, to um, also understand um, where the investor is uh, coming from, um, uh, what their mindset is, and you know, are they going to be there when the going gets tough, um, or are they only interested in you know getting an exit? Um, and that is. Um, um, an ex, a, a both a science and art to establish with an investor as well. And that was something deliberate um, that we had at first agreed between the founders before going in um, to investor um, calls. Of course, we didn't want to come across at all, you know, arrogant in, in, in terms of refusing investors. So we spent ample amount of time literally meeting every investor that was interested in us. Wow. Yeah, that's, Fascinating. I always wonder like what uh, each company, you know, prioritizes when it comes to bringing in an investor on. Like sometimes you don't want an investor to be so involved in the business and other times you do, right? So right. just getting that, the needs met for for each business and organization is important. So I want to also talk about what was the biggest moment of adversity that you faced in the last two years and how did you overcome it? I don't know if the adversity is is the the right word for this, but the sheer sense of um, one finding a problem that the market resonated with, and then the responsibility that came with that problem. Uh, let me go a little bit deeper with that. Um, so we 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 developed the Mammal Pay app, which is a mobile app on Android and iOS initially, um, just before COVID and then COVID happened. Uh, by that time, my co-founders had um, also left their full-time jobs as well. And that was a moment of um, truth, you know, like they just left their full-time jobs. Both of them were at Google as well. I'd left a little while longer. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, moment came when we had to really either double down or figure out if this was the right time to do this and thankfully we we doubled down and we doubled down in a way in which i was um obviously at the moment we, we didn't know that this would happen but that's the risk uh, the leap of faith if you want you take at that moment and that leap of faith was you know moving forward with building uh, the memo pay app on a mobile device and making sure uh, that we were building it in a way where we had um, 
as much control of the experience as possible. And what that meant was building our own backend systems, um, which goes understated and forgotten about too often. Users see the front-end system, but on the backend, there's a whole heap of incredible work that has been done in terms of making sure the payments when sending to users is feels like it's real time. You know, it surprises users in many instances. Wow, you know, you send it from one person to another person and bang, there you are, money's been sent. But what's happening on the back end in terms of um, settlement and collection is um, just incredible in the way um, Imad and the engineering team um, kind of uh, thought about that and, and built that as well. And without knowing, um, when COVID struck, we um, had a moment where we had a lot of friends in the UAE that were kind of reaching out to us and saying, guys, uh, you're in the payment space. Is there anything that you can do or help us with um, in terms of collecting um, money? Um, because they were now doing their, you know, uh, personal training sessions, meditation teachers, dance classes all over Zoom, and they were no longer getting cash in hand. And this was a moment of reckoning for us, like, wow, this is clearly a problem that is coming from the market that other organizations aren't serving. So there's a segment here in the UAE that is underserved, um, the, the small business segment. And you know the team mobilized really quickly. Um, and I think literally in a matter of weeks, we developed Mammo Business, which was a simple web form with a credit card input uh, and a URL. And it took seven questions to register. And we put it out there without advertising it just to friends and family. Um, and this, um, this went viral, um, to say the least, and um, we had many, many small businesses register for it. Um, today, Mammo Business is a core product of um, the, the Mammo, the Mammo uh, Pay um, kind of product suite. Um, but it did start off as something that we had literally built in a matter of weeks to serve a, a pain point that we did not actually go in um, right from the outset. To, to solve that that was the small uh, small businesses that that needed this I think um, as you know looking back um, uh, the the share um, size of the problem is now twofold so <laughs> we no longer have just consumers we also have businesses um, and that can be daunting sometimes you know you started off making one product for consumers and now you've opened up an entire uh, segment of customers with businesses and truth be told they are very very different customers you know um, and I think the way we kind of overcome that or at least the way I like to think about it and I share this with the team is that we're providing a service for people and humans let's put aside for one minute um, that one segment is a consumer and one segment is a business um, and I think by doing that, that just really, really inspired um, great thinking, creative solutions, whereby today we're talking about and very likely going to merge Mammal Business and the Mammal Consumer app into one single experience. So, for example, like Instagram, you can switch between a business account or a personal account. It's very likely that Mammal in the future is going to do something very similar. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing that you started out the business with one product and then another product that kind of emerged really out of the pandemic <laughs> is now your your biggest uh, product offering. I love hearing stories like that. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. amazing. So awesome. We're kind of um, running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, what 
continues to motivate you when days are tough? This show is called Startup Confessionals, so we want to <laughs> we want to get into the head of our uh, of our founders and really talk about not just the kind of bright shiny days and you know uh, the successes, but also you know what what happens behind the scenes. So I was wondering if you could share with us what continues to motivate you and how do you you know, keep yourself motivated, especially when, you know, things are tough or you might not have enough time. What, you know, what, what have you sacrificed? Yeah. Thank you so much. It's an important question because I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into building a startup um, that we don't see. And that's the personal lives of founders. So for example, um, I've never kind of allowed the startup to take over my life. Um, um, I still wake up every morning at around 5.30. Um, I've meditated for years. I haven't allowed that to stop um, in any way. Um, and I do my workout in the morning as well. And I have no data really to 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 um, back this up with, but I believe without that alone, I just would not be motivated in the same way as I am today. Um, um, so just having that discipline, having that regimen, having that ritual is so, so vital um, for my being, for my soul, for my for my headspace, for my heart space, you know. Um, and I think that single-handedly motivates me um, every day. Um, the chemical reactions that happen in the body when you meditate or when you do workouts, et cetera, is, has to, has to. Um, participate in being motivated uh, during the day um, at work. Um, so that's on more of a psyche level, um, on a personal level. I think what motivates me most is um, the sense of responsibility and love and passion I have for my team. Um, I really take great pride in making sure that uh, Memo remains a sacred space to work in. And with that, um, I want to make sure that every person that walks in uh, through the door is um, incredibly, incredibly smart, of course, intellectually and um, technically, but also has a wonderful gift to be inside um, the heart space, kind, compassionate, empathetic, um, a listener, you know, someone who um, removes barriers. And that is really, really important um, uh, for us as a startup and something that I think up until now, we have truly been blessed um, to have some really, really, really great people. Um, so, you know, the, it's rare to <laughs> wake up and want to be in the office. Um, I've been blessed to ha have had that with Google. And it's even a higher blessing to have that with something that, um, that I started um, and, you know, what that feels like is wanting to be in the office, wanting to go to work, wanting to see the faces of my team, wanting to speak to them. Um, and that alone, I think, creates so much um, motivation. And one, when one person is motivated and excited, um, that is contagious and that goes on to uh, the team members in the same way um, the opposite is true to Amen, Asim. That's really beautiful. I'm so happy to hear mm. that you've created space for your um, well-being and wellness because I think so many people just get burnt out. And I always yeah. like to remind founders that I work with, you know, it's a long game and, yeah. you know, working so many hours is is fine, but I think we need to balance that, right? Like I think 
um, it's just beautiful that you've created space in the morning. And maybe you could uh, tell us like a person or a book that has inspired you recently. <laughs> it could be personal, people in your you know personal network. It could be someone outside of that. But yeah, you know, who's someone that um, inspires you or could be a book you're reading as well? person who inspires me. Oh, wow. Um, I think a lot of people inspire me. I tap into a lot of different sources and people, everything from like my own kind of um, spiritual path um, and um, um, all the way through to kind of, um, you know, startup um, uh, entrepreneurs as well. Um, I think what inspires me the most and creates um, my malleability my nature is um doing things um that perhaps you know don't have a direct link to the work i'm doing so for example um i might go to a dance class an aesthetic dance class and that just gives me the ability to just let go you know which gives me the ability to come come to work more um, inspired, more creative as well, um, all the way through to um, books. And so one book that um, has really truly changed my perspective on how I see things, how I understand things and how and what my reaction and attitude is to things is a book by a chap called uh, Viktor Frankl. And the book's name is The Man's Search for Meaning. Um, I think that book has provided me um, a way of thinking and mindset um, that I think in today's um, kind of growth mindset is called, you know, hacking, hacking or um, the ability to find um, the good um, in in every situation, um, the ability to um, have gratitude and approach um, every problem with um a sense of um, learning and growth. Um, and that sometimes it's like, we, we sometimes feel like force um, um, in the sense that, you know, taking, you know, aggressive actions is helpful where often it's much more of a stand back, softer approach that uh, gives you the most returns and reward. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's great. I love that book. That was a big gateway book for me um, on my own spiritual journey. So I I love that. And I think it's it's one I think every human being should read. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, so awesome. Can you tell us like where can people find you? Are you on LinkedIn? And also where can people find MamoPay? Sure. So uh, MamoPay is MamoPay.com and you can find on there our um, product offerings, our MamoMento blog as well, um, uh, photos of our team and a little bit about our thinking, our ethos, our vision, vision. Um, it's decently documented and you would get a good understanding of um, our thinking and approach. Um, people can find me mostly on LinkedIn. I'm not on social media, unfortunately, uh, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. And my LinkedIn um, address would be Asim Jan, so A-S-I-M-J-A-N-J. Perfect. Amazing. We'll add that to the show notes as well. And thank you so much for your time, Asim. This is so great. I know that you're in UAE and I'm in California, so it's always like so interesting to find times to connect uh, with the time difference. But I really appreciate you taking the time. And Yasmin, thank you for reaching out and doing the work you do as well and getting our voice out there. Oh, of course, of course. 
And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening to Startup Confessionals. 